right, you guys, I'm here with Will Mason. He's a life coach and he does a lot of really other amazing things, energy healings and training, physical training. And I'm just going to let uh, him explain all the stuff that he does. So Will, tell us what you do here. Oh, well, thanks for the plug. I, I appreciate <laughs> being on here on your podcast today. So yeah, so I shifted into life coaching a few years ago. I, I spent my whole career as a fitness, physical fitness trainer and mainly working with groups. I've taught over 30,000 group experiences uh, in my life. So I'm kind of an expert in, in working with group energy. But what I noticed working with groups is there's always a shift when you work with somebody at the physical level. Uh, there's an emotional shift, a mental shift, a spiritual shift. So let me tell you kind of how I got started with this fringe kind of uh, perspective that I had. And it's, it kind of centers around a near-death experience. It's very, very cool. Back in the 80s, it was and I'm going to date myself here because I don't even know if you were born on this day, Nikki. I'm born but, in 82. Okay, you were three years old. Okay. <laughs> so uh, back it up to, it was May 5th, 1985. And I had just moved to Dallas, Texas, and I was driving my car. Yes, I was driving at that time. And, um, you know, Cinco de Mayo in Texas, right? And so there was a beautiful festival happening here in Reverchon Park in Dallas, where we live. And uh, I was driving down Maple, and the festival caught my eye. And I'm kind of like driving and looking behind me because all of these fancy dresses and anything. Well, if you're familiar with that street, it goes under the Katy Trail, and there is a four-foot cement wall that divides oncoming traffic. So as I turned my head back around, and I found myself head on with this brick wall, impending doom, about to have a head-on collision. And I'm maybe 10 feet away going about 45 miles an hour and it's, it's gonna happen, right? So I close my eyes and I just prepare for impact. And as I close my eyes, I lose consciousness. I just completely go out. And you've seen on TV, you know, on all the, the doctor shows and the hospital shows and they go clear. And, you know, they had the paddles and they, you know, they, they put the, uh, the paddles on your chest and the, the patient, you know, kind of goes with this thrust upward and comes back in. So what happened to me in the next conscious moment was exactly that. I felt like I had been paddled and there was this pull of my chest that pulled me up and I kind of came back in. And it was a shock to my system. It's like I, I, I got shocked back into life. So when I woke up, I was completely fine. I wasn't in the hospital. I had not been paddled by doctors. I was actually parked in my car, which was untouched, a block down the road. And it was inside of a little niche. Um, my car was in park and it was on and I just <sighs> thrusted. So, here I am having, about to have a head-on collision. I black out right before I'm about to end my life. And there's this time lag. I have this big explosion and I'm teleported down the streets. My car is completely fine. And I have this fog of what just happened. You know, I thought in my last conscious moment was I was about to have a head-on collision. My next moment is I'm completely fine and a little disoriented and like something major just happened and I don't know what it is. 
is with this confusion. So that's kind of what started me on the path to figure out what just happened. What happened there? So as I kind of fast forward, I got involved in all different types of things. And one of the first things that kind of came across my path was something called the Silva Method of Mind Development. And it teaches you what creative visualization is, basically, and how to uh, creatively visualize. In this particular technique, you listen to a little it was a tape. It was a cassette tape, actually, back then. And like, you listen. Binaural beats, or what is it? Well, it wasn't even binaural beats yet. It was just a, a a rhythmic pattern, and it set up a brainwave frequency to put you in the alpha brainwave frequency right at ten cycles per second. And the technique taught you to bring three fingers together. And if you're familiar with Pavlov and the dogs, you know, like when they rang the bell, the dogs would salivate and it's a conditioned response. And so in the Silva training, the conditioned response was when you bring your three fingers together, it triggers your brain to automatically go to 10 cycles per second to go into the alpha brainwave frequency. And that was their technique. So you could be in a meeting at work or in an argument or wherever you are and all of a sudden bring your three fingers to get three fingers together because you've done this training and it would automatically change your brainwave frequency to 10 cycles per second. So I, I really learned how to master this. And so I started visualizing things and I was fresh out of college and I didn't have any clothes at all. I had a navy blue blazer, a red shirt, uh, uh, I mean, a, a red tie, a white shirt and some khaki pants. And that was the extent of my pro professional wardrobe, right? And I was wearing that every day to work. So I really wanted a new wardrobe. And so I used this technique and I sat down in my chair. It was a Sunday night and it took me about 90 minutes. And I visualized two weeks of a wardrobe, me getting up every day, wearing a suit. It was a black suit, a navy blue suit, a herringbone jacket, black slacks, a white shirt, a blue shirt, a pink shirt, X, Y, Z. I go through specifically 10 days of wardrobe. So the next day I go to work wearing my navy blue jacket and my red shirt, red tie. And I came home from lunch to eat my lunch. And there are two hefty bags at my, my door. And I'm like, that's not trash. And I opened up these hefty bags and there were freshly pressed shirts and all of these clothes. There was a black suit. There was a navy blue suit. There was a, a gray suit. There was a herringbone jacket. There was black. There was a blue shirt. Every to the T. No more, no less. Exactly what I had visualized the night before was in those two bags. And I, and I had this feeling of, of course it's in the two bags. Why wouldn't it be in the two bags, right? So, you know, that kind of happened. And well, what uh, was, who, who gave you these? Well, my friend, Eddie Walker, uh, we were workout buddies at the gym. And he had moved into a new place and he was kind of downsizing. He had all these clothes. He was a little older than I was but we were the same size. And he just had this thought like, you know what? I was gonna donate these, but I bet Will would, would like these. And he just unconsciously drove over to my house and put them on my front door and said, here you go. So that's kind of how the universe you know, supplied that. So over the next 90 days, I got a new car, I got a promotion. I started dating somebody I wanted to date. Uh, literally, it was like the magic, um, this magic thing. And so, uh, but what I noticed was 
some friends, I tell you what, I was trying to visualize a new car because I wanted a new Mercedes at the time. And I was driving this old beat up Honda. And, uh, and so I'd gone down and I sat in the, the showroom with my Mercedes of short choice and, uh, and the, nobody wanted to wait on me. That's a little young guy back then, like he can't afford a Mercedes. And so I took all the brochures and I went home and I did my technique. And so the very next day, I get a letter in the mail that I have won a Mercedes, not that I had won a, a Ford Mustang or a Lincoln Continental or BMW. It was a, it was the exact car that I had visualized. It was in this letter and I had some friends to come over and they saw all of these pictures on my refrigerator and around because I'd been visualizing and said, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm visualizing. They're like, you're what? And I said, yeah, you know, I went through this technique and you bring your three fingers together and talking about the alpha brainwave frequency and you, you kind of, you know, get into your zone and you use your third eye and you visualize you what, what you want. You make it as real as possible. And then it happens. And they go, well, you are full of, you know what, you know, you are crazy as all get out. So you're like vision boarding it before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah. what I learned from that lesson, Nikki was um, the car never manifested. And I learned a valuable lesson that you only share your vision, your dreams with like-minded people because the power that you have to create other people who, who worry, who are on your, you know, kind of in your circle have just as much power to, to work against you, right. To, to create some things. And so really what happened with that car is I'd won the car and then yet, but I had to go out, and I had to claim it. And then it was, it kind of got real sketchy, you know, the more that I went into it, that really never kind of happened. But so just my manifestation just kind of fizzled out. So I learned a valuable lesson, you know, like when you're creative visually, uh, uh, visualizing what you want to create to keep it private or to only share it with like-minded people who can support you in your vision. And that was a really important lesson. But, uh, so anyway, that was kind of like the learning how to visualize. The next phase, I went into the, the Unity Church and Church of Religious Science, learning how to move energy through the spoken word through prayer. Uh, then the next phase, I went into Reiki and energetic healing of learning how to move energy through my hands and, and through intention. And you and so actually still I had do this that, nice right? repertoire of how to move energy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, learning how to, how, how to visualize, how to speak it, how to send it through your hands, right? You, you become a master at working with energy. So a lot of quinky dinky things started to happen to me as I start to, you know, to activate all of these senses within me. And um, I got called by the Orca Wells one time. And Dallas? Like you were yeah. Okay. I was having my Reiki master initiation and I had this vision of these and I see this ocean and out of this ocean, this big white and black orca whale comes up and it breaches and it does a backflip, platoon, you know, back in the water. And then it comes up again and it, and it's making this spiraling motion and it's getting further and further away from me, right? Further and further away. And it's headed on the horizon and cresting on the horizon is this star. And I know it's not the sun because my consciousness said, that's not the sun, that's a star. And I said, oh yeah, what, what star is this? And my, my guidance said, that's the star of Sirius. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm having this vision of this orca well spiraling into Sirius. So I, you know, the next day I get in the mail um, for a workshop to happen in Canada to track the orca wells as Sirius rises. So Sirius in the month of July tends to, you can see it in the horizon right at, at the uh, uh, sunrise. Mm. And that's a very sacred time with the, with the Syrians. And so I was kind of called on this quest into uh, to, to travel with the orca wells. So I had never interacted with the orca wells before. So I fly up to Vancouver. I, I'm by myself. Uh, there's seven of us that have agreed to go on this, this quest. And so um, the very first night, we spend the night at the, the, Stanley, the Stanley Park at the Vancouver uh, Museum uh, or Aquarium where they have an orca well. And we kind of communed with this well and you know, kind of said hello and that sort of stuff. And that was kind of cool. And the very next day, we went out on these pontoon boats and with an outboard motor and there's seven of us and I'm the youngest at the time. And so I'm at the very tip of the boat and we're kind of out on the ocean and we spot a, a, a little family of whales. And so Elizabeth Fortune was leading us and she worked with dolphins and whales and she was from um, the LA area. And so she said, you know, let's cut the motor. Let's, let's just observe. And so I'm kind of sitting there and this orca whale spots us and you know, it starts coming at us in the, in the, the, you know, it looks like a shark kind of, right. but, you know, the orca whale, so it's kind of freaking you out because here comes this big monstrous um, whale heading towards our boat. And it kind of came up towards the boat on the side and then it turned and it actually, the eyeball came up and it looked at me, right at me. And it locked eyes with me and I was staring at this, this orca whale and we would just have this mind gaze going on for a couple of minutes. And Elizabeth is going, Will, I have never, ever seen a well behave this way. This is very unique. Uh, he's communicating with you. He's giving you a download. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool. You know, and I didn't feel much at the time. I was just like feeling blessed and feeling loved. And oh my gosh, isn't this a magical moment? So the whale, I guess after a couple of minutes, just turns back in, goes underneath, and then moves back to the family of the whale. And the whales are called the Melchizedeks of the planet, by the way, and they're holders of blueprint information. They're, they're holders of memory and record of things that have happened that humanity has forgotten about. So they have kept the full memory of what's happened on planet Earth. So Do you think that's because there's memory in water and they are more it's connected their species, with it? you know, the species of the, the, the whale uh, are connected to Sirius actually. And the Syrians, yeah, uh, the dolphins you know, have, too. I've heard a lot yeah. of people talk about, like I, I've had some dolphin interaction and, and some whale interaction as well. And I do think there is some sort of connection with Sirius. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, that's where their, their, their home is actually uh, the cetaceans uh, that they're, you know, their higher level consciousness. And yeah. what happened at within about a minute of the whale going across, my back chakra, right at the base of my skull, my occipital lobe. Now this is where an energetic healing 
that you receive telepathic or cosmic kind of information, like, like downloads. And so although it wasn't happening in real time with the, the orca, as the orca went off, it felt like right after he left, like somebody got a knife and was just like had cut open the back of my skull, ripped it open, and it was excruciatingly painful. Then this wave of nausea came over me and it was, it was, I got immediately sick. And I told, I was like, I've got to get off this boat right now. So we rushed ashore. I like get really sick and uh, I'm sweating and having some sort of reaction. This energy is just moving through me like major detox. And what happened, that was the birth of my psychic ability. My third eye just like really opened at that time. And for the rest of the trip, I was like super psychic. And um, so there was definitely a connection with the whales that that had created that that opening. So on the next few days, we went out on the water. We moved up to a place called Telegraph Hill which is where they filmed Free Willy. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard of that movie with the Orca Wells, but there's a well reserve uh, up off Vancouver Island. And so we're kind of in that Telegraph Cove area. And we had been on this retreat for almost a week now. And I was kind of getting, okay, we've gone out in the water, I've interacted with the whales. And on this particular day, um, the trees were calling me. And I kind of told the group, I said, hey, guys, you guys go out on the boat today, but I'm going to stay here on land. I'm going to venture into the forest. I don't know. The trees are calling me. That's all I can say. And uh, I, I need to be on ground. And so, <laughs> you know, they're like, what? And can we go? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, you've been pretty psychic and pretty on this whole week. And, you know, your premonition has been really strong. I think we should all go with you today, Will. And so uh, I don't like, well, okay, whatever. So we have two cars and uh, I'm a passenger and Elizabeth, who's, who's leading the thing, she gets in her car and literally I'm in the front seat. I have never been here before. And I'm like, go down two miles, take a right, go left, go down that street. And I was just using my inner vision of, and, and my voice was telling me where to go and I'd never been here. So through, through just kind of following all of that, we get to this spot and I'm like, this is it, stop the car. And before I had gone on this trip, I had had another download of vision here in Dallas uh, by uh, uh, kind of a healer, Nasir Ahmed. And he had worked with me and in that vision, uh, I, I was in woods, I was in these trees and there was this hooded watcher that had a black hood over that was just watching. And I was lying down in the forest and there was a star or a ship or you know, like a UFO or something that was beaming light down towards me, hitting me in the third eye. And there were all these codes that were coming in. So um, I'm like, okay, so that, that, that I remember that vision, right? So all of a sudden, when we stopped the car and we got out, that vision just popped in my head like, I've been here before. This is exactly where that other vision happened. This was where it, went, there, where it happened. And I'm here. And so when I got out, there was this 
hieroglyphic uh, writing on this wall that had depicted my journey. And there was a spiral and a fish with you know the, the, the Sirius and the sun rising. And then there were all these codes that were on the rock that I had seen in my vision. Uh, that was like, we were supposed to do sacred space there. Were they like petroglyphs? Yeah, they're like petroglyphs, like etched into the rock. Oh, And wow, okay. how I found this place, I mean, it was just totally trusting my gut, trusting my intuition, my inner guidance, you know, like go here. It was, and it wasn't like I was hearing anything. It was just a feeling like, no, this isn't it, turn right go that way, you know, this way. And, you know, we were there within 30 minutes of, you know, when we started, it didn't take that long. So we got out and we did ceremony and we did uh, drumming and singing and we did kind of an anchoring there, but that was really cool how I was drawn to that, that sacred nice, side yeah. and that whole uh, hieroglyphic language was on these rocks about the spiral and the fish and these geometric symbols that came out of the UFO. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I, yeah, maybe you have quite a big connection to the Sirius. Plan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then the next night we, we traveled a little further north and checked into a hotel. And I had never had this too, but I couldn't stay in the hotel. I walked into my hotel room and I'm like, there is very bad energy in this hotel and there's very bad energy in my room. And I just, I literally, it felt demonic to me, like evil, mm -hmm. demonic. And so I went to the front desk. I said, do you have another room? No. Uh, well, I'm not staying here. Well, we can't give you your money back. You know, you, you, you prepaid. And I'm like, fine. And I told the group, I said, I can't stay in this hotel. There's something going on. So... I walked down the street to a rest area and I slept that night on a picnic table and the sign said, please do not feed the bears. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so it was, it's just very strange that there, there was some sort of uh, ritual sacrifice that had been done in that room and there was a killing that had been done and it was really very, very, um, you know, strong feeling that was going right. on within me. Uh, and it's just, you know, trusting your gut. And nobody else felt it as strongly as I did. But again, my, my senses were on overdrive. And come to find out that land, there had been a, an Indian massacre uh, on that land where they built that hotel so it wasn't necessarily maybe in the hotel room could, as much as it spot. was yeah. on that land that that blood stained land had been there and it was ancient and I was tapping into that that area because everybody's like you know what's going on and we talked to the locals the next day you know what's why you know do you know anything about that hotel like oh well you know there's this used to be sacred land there used to be a, there was a massacre here and it was kind of interesting to be able to tap into that um so is, is your it? is your third eye and stuff always open or how well that's kind of when it started you know it kind of comes in waves uh, for me it uh it comes in when I don't focus on it it it's really more powerful like when I try to make things happen or focus on it 
uh, is, I'm not as accurate, but I'll get down. I get downloads a lot of information of what I need to know when I need to know it. Mm-hmm. But when I work with a client, you know, in, in my coaching, I'm definitely using my intuitive abilities to uh, tap in and what I sense. And so I have a really good sense of, of yes, no, proceed, you know, positive, negative, you know, like I can ask yes and no questions and get pretty much an accurate uh, so how do, does that manifest like as a voice in your head or a, feel, a gut it's a feeling? feeling? It's a, a feeling. feeling. Yeah, it's a feeling. Okay. It's kind of like, um, have you ever been to an amusement park as a kid, right? Remember the first time you went and you rode a ride and you got your ticket and you're standing in line and you can hardly wait to get on the ride. And, you know, there's always a ticket counter, ticket taker there. And, you know, it's like, and they count how many people can ride the ride at one time. They're like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Maybe there's 10 people, right? So they let 10 people on at a time. So my yes, I feel this, this excitement, like I'm standing in line for, to ride a ride and I'm eager and I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, that's what I feel like when it's my yes, like, yes, it's my turn. It's, right. you know, proceed, go find your space. It's going to be fun and exciting. So there's this, there's this invitation to, to, to move forward. And it kind of has that feeling associated with it where my no is more like that disappointment you feel when you're number 11 and those 10 people get to go and you go, Oh, sorry. You, you, you know, stop. It's not your turn. You can't go yet. And you have that little sense of like, uh, uh, and no, but you know, it'd come, it'd come, my turn will come. It's just not right now. Right. And there's a feeling like the ticket counter puts your hand on your chest and says, okay, just wait here. And so there's a pressure. And so that's my no. That's how I know there's a there's kind of like a, a hand on my chest. It's a no and a pulling, which is kind of a yes. That's that's interesting because that's kind of how I describe um, I describe that uh, with my discernment. Like if I think something's true or not, it's like I I actually literally have a physical like pushback or a pull. Yeah, yeah. In my heart chest area, which is interesting. Yeah. So like anytime I'm reading something, if I don't like it, I, f- I, I, I have, I, my, I feel my body go like that versus like, yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I have like a chest opening. So that's interesting that you describe it like that. That's really cool. Yeah. And, yeah, and so if, you know, what, what I'm saying, if, if I don't think about in like, if I'm not, if I'm constantly asking questions to my higher self, yes, do I need to do this or do I need to do that? Do I need to do this? You know, like, am I, you know, like you're at the grocery store. Do I need this or do I need this? And if you're constantly asking questions, for me, that diminishes my answer, right? Because I'm not trusting in the flow of life. Mm -hmm. So my more is I'm in the grocery store and I just work intuitively like I need that. And I don't ask the question. It's it's more simply of a, a knowing you know, like what supplements I need or, or need to take or not to take or you know, put that back. So, I, you know, there was a phase where I started asking like, okay, is this good for me? You can muscle test, you can uh, really ask. But the more I get into the mental part of that, the less accurate my answers got. And that um, because it was my guidance was telling me, you just need to trust the flow and stay in the flow and, and know that you know, basically. So you do this quantum belief repatterning thing. So yeah. Like, how does that lead into this? Well, the uh, it, it's tied into uh, some of the work that I do as a psych K practitioner. Uh, 
And we have uh, a series of beliefs. And what we believe in our belief patterns are really formed by the time that we're seven years old. It, you can imagine a lot of your, your backdrop and your narrative of how you live your life is formed between ages, you know, from birth up to seven years old. And a lot of your preconceived ideas are kind of set in your unconscious mind. And once they're set there, they just operate. They just, uh, life is hard, life is easy. Uh, you know, uh, parents are helpful, parents are, parents are mean, you know, I can't trust them or, you know, whatever you start to believe starts to, to kind of play out. The quantum belief patterning is going back and determining what beliefs that were formed early in your life are supportive and non-supportive. And it's a, it, there, you can narrow things down where there could be one non-supporting belief, which I call the kingpin, that if you can change that one kingpin, that one single belief, you don't need to change anything else because there's a cascade that unfolds and it repatterns everything else because of that one belief. And so quantum belief pattern is really trying to find that one belief, your biggest limiting belief that has the biggest payoff for this cascade of changing so many of your other beliefs to, to align with this new belief pattern. So it doesn't take very long to repattern a belief, but uh, there's a, it's a, type of whole brain activation because we tend to be either in our right brain or our left brain but there's some techniques in psych k uh you know for instance one of them that's really profound is when we get to a balance one of the balances that i use and we're trying to repattern a belief is say i have a client i'm working on and um they have a innate trust of men right? They just don't trust men. All men are bad. Uh, something happened, you know, in their early life, we're going to find out and we need to pattern that because we know that, you know, all men are not bad, you know, uh, but in their belief, uh, we need to change that. So, you know, I, I do have a form of muscle testing and activation, answering questions, and the body is connected to your subconscious mind. So I ask a series of muscle testing questions with my client to kind of pinpoint until we can get down to the belief. And then once they find the belief like, okay, the, the core belief is all men are bad, you know, wow, well, we need to change that because, you know, that's not true. So we want to say uh, both men and women are loving and supporting, you know, or we, we have a new belief system that we want to, to have in. Would you put it in with affirmations? Like, well, you, yeah. so one of the balances is, is this. So you hold half of your brain in your right hand and you hold the other half in your left hand. Like you're, you are your brain. And so what you do is you focus in on this new belief. Women and men are supportive all women and all men, or, you know, whatever your new belief you want to, to, to have happen, um, women and men can be loving and supportive. Um, so whatever it is that you want to override that new belief system. 
and you focus on that, you close your eyes, and what happens, it's, it's very strange, is that your hands will unconsciously start coming together, and then they stop, and then they start coming together, and they stop, and they, and they, and they finally come in together. And once they come, this is this whole brain, your brain is getting rewired in this whole process, and you're inputting a new belief. You pull your hands into your heart, and you, you integrate, and you pull in that thought. Well, what happens basically with Psych-K is what you don't know is happening is I can tell, but the client doesn't know this, but we're on their timeline because this is their timeline from birth to now. Where in their timeline, because they'll start off and then all of a sudden they'll stop. Like where the resistance was. Where the resistance was or where in their brain, where in their time, their linear time that that happened. And they're re-scripting or rewriting that timeline. And then they move that timeline in. So the timeline is birth to the now moment. And sometimes it's kind of a, you know, like it moves really fast and then it just stops. And a lot of times, if I know it's a current issue, people's hands go all the way in and they stop like right here. And I know that this is up for them now. It's a belief that, that they're working on, they're struggling with that's more present or more frequent, you know? Um, so it, that's an indicator of how and when on the timeline of working with it. But that technique is one in which you actually integrate a new belief or a new thought. That's just one example. Wow, that's really cool. You know? Another way that... Uh, I work with clients is I take them into a guided meditation and um, because this as we go into the center of the heart uh, the heart has its own brain as well so um, this is that quantum belief the second part of this quantum belief work is once we do the the repatterning of the thought we do an anchor meditation so I guide them into the secret space of their heart and we have dialogue with whoever shows up and it's either usually a child, you know, like the inner child issues usually come up first. And so there's parents that come forward, siblings, um, something that happened before their age of seven, typically uh, a teacher figure or whoever implanted that belief. There's some dialogue and some repatterning and some conversation that happens. And then uh, it just kind of escalates. And we, we bring in people until, you know, there's, there's no need to bring any other people. And it's very healing, very powerful. Yeah, it sounds like it. It really does. Yeah. So, and, and, and you've been doing this kind of healing. How long have you been a coach? How long have you been doing this? Well, I've been working with clients pretty much since the 90s, actually, for, you know, what was that, 30 years? <laughs> uh, working with that. Um, my very first part was really working at an energetic level and doing healing work with clients, putting my hands on, channeling energy, getting insight, you know, telling, hey, I'm seeing this. What does this mean? We dialogue and we kind of talk and the symbology. And so learning how to move energy, and that was a big part of what I, what I did early on. Uh, and I had some amazing stories of miracle healings, of people that were on list for a liver transplant. Uh, you know, their liver spontaneously regenerates and they're taken off, you know, with, through, through energetic healing. Um, but by the same token, you know, I had a lot of people that passed away. 
that I worked with through the death process. Um, and so I've, I've run the gamut of doing energy work where I realized that I'm not the cure. I'm a facilitator in their healing. And sometimes that healing shows up and manifests as a physical healing. And sometimes they're healing their soul and their belief system, but it's their exit point anyway, but they're taking new wisdom with them, yeah. uh, a newfound awareness. So uh, I, I've, I've learned to walk wherever that person is to kind of be with them in their moment and not to have any judgment. But um, the more open the client is to receive, the more they're going to get, for sure. Interesting. I just have, this last week, I've heard uh, of death doulas. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Like, so people yeah. who walk you through the death process. That is a, a new one for me. I had, I had never heard about that, but uh, now I know two people who do that. That's what yeah. they do. So I have a, I have an amazing story. I sat with my father uh, the night that he passed away and uh, my father uh, had was a victim of a stroke, a progressive stroke. And by the end of his life, he was incontinent. He was in diapers. He couldn't speak. Um, and he was elderly, couldn't feed himself. And he was in a bad way, right? Just kind of like a, almost a vegetable. I mean, there was no quality of life. And, but he had an endearing love for his third wife, which was my stepmother. And her name was Faye. And Faye just had was very attached to my father and just couldn't bear to live life without him. So in many ways, he stuck around a little longer than he should, you know, for her. Right. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm with my father and it was the Sunday night before Thanksgiving. Um, and I'm with him and I'm holding his hand and I'm sending him energy and holding space for him. I said, dad, you know, it's okay to go. Uh, you'll probably see some familiar people. Of course, I wasn't seeing what he was seeing. Um, but I said, it's okay to let go. Are you, are you ready? You know, it's, it, you have permission to let go because I don't feel like he had permission. And so I said, this is what I want you to do. I said, I want you to go to Faye, which was his wife. And they had been together for, you know, 35 years. And I said, it's time for you to say goodbye to Faye. And I want you to tell her that you love her. You'll see her on the other side, but it's time to say goodbye. Can you do that for me, dad? And he squeezed my hand, you know, because we had this yes, no kind of thing going on with, with hand squeeze. So he squeezed my hand like, I, I, yes. I said, okay, so just call her up in your heart, see her before you, and just tell her that you love her. But I also want you to say goodbye. And so I kind of like, like kind of let him kind of have this moment. This is 3 a.m. in the morning, by the way, 3 a.m. At 3 a.m., the phone, you know, it was before cell phones were really popular in, in hospitals, but the, the phone rang in the hospital room and I picked it up. And Faye has a private nurse because she was elderly too and they lived in this special home. And so the nurse called me and said, Will, how's your dad? I said, well, he's, he's transitioning. He's crossing over, you know, maybe a couple of hours before he leaves. He said, well, Faye wanted me to call and tell you that he just showed up in the room to say goodbye and that he loved her. Exactly what I just told my dad to do. Yeah. But here's the, the thing. He showed up as a young man. My dad was almost 80 at this time and she was like 85. So he... 
he appeared to her like as a, as a 35 year old man and said, I love you and I'll see you on the other side. And it was just such a neat confirmation because I was with my dad. He's crossing over. I tell him to go to Faye, tell her goodbye and loved. And then the phone rings right after that. And Faye said, my dad just came to her, said he loved her, but it was time to say goodbye. It was amazing. Just amazing. That is crazy. My grand, my dad's dad passed away when I was 12. And when I was, I think I was like 20, between 23 and 25. I can't remember how old I was exactly. I woke up in the middle of the night and this was like the Christmas story or something or Christmas Carol. Um, and, and like my, there was a man at the bottom of my bed, like the light, my lamp was turned on in my bed and there was a man at the bottom of my bed. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh, and it took me a minute. I was startled, but I looked at him and I was like, grandpa Joe, but it, it wasn't the grandpa Joe I knew. Cause this dude was yeah. way younger than I mean, my grandfather was 70 when he died. He was, you know, whiteheaded and whatever. This this was like a younger looking man. And he was like, yeah, he was like, sorry, you're the only one that I could get through to. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he he came over, touched my hand yeah. and we transported back to the house that I grew up in. He was, okay, come here, come here. There was a built-in like chesser of drawers. Yeah. He opened one of the drawers, made me bend down, look underneath. There's a paper underneath there. He's like, well, next time you go to New Mexico, you need to go to this house. You need to tell the people who live there now that you used to live there. Mm-hmm, you need to get mm-hmm. this piece of paper. You need to give it to your dad. It's like, I was like, so what's it like being dead? I, of course, like I'm a million question person. And, and he just kind of laughed at me. It's nothing like what you think. Huh. And, and as soon as he touched me, I was back in my room. Yeah. No one was around and the light wow. was still on, but he was gone. Yeah. And anyway, long story short, I had my, there really was a piece of paper. I, we did go back to that house like, and, and tell the owners. It was a scorecard of yeah. some game that had been played with my dad and him. Anyway, so the, I have always kind of thought, what's going on here? <laughs> what is with the age thing? That, that is, that's, I've. I've read many uh, accounts of people having seen people that have crossed over, you know, that are they're on the other side, and when they come back, their their vital self, right? And you know, what's interesting is physiologically, our bodies age till about the age of twenty eight to thirty. That our bodies are maturing, right? right? We are growing, we are evolving, and we reach our peak, our physical peak, in our late twenties or early thirties. And then we stop maturing and start declining. And then we, we, you know, we reach the peak and then we start the aging process. So that peak or that pinnacle is what's called your ideal age. That is what you're, that's how you're meant to look. Right. And it's typically that ideal age is the age that people show up, you know, as, as ghosts or as a, a on the other side or they come to people in visions because that's their, that's really what their blueprints of their divine blueprint holds what yeah. their image should be. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's really interesting. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about this Mount Shasta experience that you had that, that was, that was really cool. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, cause that also dealt with some age. I went to Mount Shasta in June of 2018 with Magic Bernstein, and I did a one-on-one retreat with him, and he is kind of what a modern-day shaman, and he does um, 
sacred site retreats in Hawaii and in Mount Shasta, California. If you've never been to Mount Shasta, and that was my first time, it's a beautiful area in Northern California. Um, I flew into an airport in Oregon. I rented a car and drove south about you know an hour. And um, and I and I met Magic. So I had uh, just been called to Mount Shasta because Mount Shasta, the sacred sites are initiation points. And so you have to remember that when your soul is ready for an initiation, an initiation will happen. It's an energetic leveling up where you kind of lock in a new frequency into your, your soul. And that is your baseline. You know, um, it's, it's like a, you level up somehow. And, but you have to kind of pass a test, you know, you have to have to uh, be able to hold a certain frequency to, to kind of, to, to be open to that. So I kind of considered that I was ready for a growth period and I could feel my life changing. And so I went to Mount Shasta and magic took me around to sites around uh, Mount Shasta area. But one of them that, that I shared with you about was where uh, some shape shifting happened. And so here's this guy that we're on the on about halfway up the mountain on Mount Shasta. We're in this little park, and it's a sacred area. Um, and so he's actually talking to me about yes and no. And he and he kept saying, What is your guidance telling you? What is your guidance telling you? And that was his his main thing. What is your guidance telling you? And I really got frustrated with him. And I said, magic. And I took him by the shoulders. I said, stop saying that. And because he was really trying to get it, get me in tune with trust my guidance over anything else. Even if you, if you, you need to be able to discern what is your guidance and what is information, you know, like you, you see something, what's false and what's true, but what is your guidance telling you to do? Because the person next to you, their guidance could be telling you the same thing, or they could, and the person on the other could be telling them something different. So it's follow your own guidance. And that was kind of the theme of this, this retreat. So anyway, we start this eye gazing thing. He says, well, what's your guidance telling you? Look into my eyes. What is your guidance telling you? Look deeply. And so I was looking into his eyes and we're looking across the ta you know, picnic table at each other and I'm looking closely and I'll be damned. I mean, he just transformed before me into this young version of himself. And I, I looked at him and I kind of looked back with my regular vision and he's normal. And I kind of looked with this other kind of altered vision and he's young. And he was just kind of the, had that Mona Lisa smile. You didn't know if he was smiling or puzzled or whatever, but he just kept eye gazing at me. So then I gaze back and I'm looking right into his pupils. You know, these two men are like staring at each other about two feet apart. It's kind of awkward, you know? <laughs> and so I, I keep continuing to look at him. And then all of a sudden he goes from this young person to this old person. Okay, and then he cycles back to his normal age and he's about 50. So some of you may think 50 is old, but he was like a 20 version, a 50 year old and like an 80 year old version right. of himself. And so it kind of like moving back and forth between these ages. This is kind of interesting. And then all of a sudden he changed sexes and he became a female version. He became very young, very old. And then the female version of his present age. And so that happened for a while. 
was a male and he was a female and he was young and he was old. And I went, that's cool. And he was relentless with eye gazing. He was just like staring at me. We did this for almost, I don't know, it was maybe a good 25 or 30 minutes. No words, just kind of staring. And you kind of get altered in this eye gaze. And then he changed races. He became um, a black man and young version, old version. Then he became a black female version of himself. And then he became an Asian version of himself and kind of went through all the races. And it was just so interesting to see the oneness uh, of how our soul represents. And I kind of felt like these were either his past lives or he was representing or the lesson was that we're all one. We're all one. You know, all you see is the oneness, the myriad of people, young, old, male, female, whatever race. Mm -hmm. And it was just this this really powerful experience. And the more I opened up to it, the cycle of change became more and more rapid. It was like change and change and change and change. This was like, like a kaleidoscope of these different faces that just kept moving. And then, um, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, are we done yet? <laughs> and, and he's like, like still staring at me, you know, I'm like, okay, I get the lesson now, I get the lesson. And then this alien shows up in front of me. Which kind of alien? It was kind of like a, almost like a Pleiadian, uh, it, looked, it looked more human than not, right? It was more human, but it had more of a, of a narrower chin and bigger eyes and uh, kind of longer hair. Uh, and I'm like, okay, you're not from around here. <laughs> you know? And it, it, I have to say, it kind of startled me. You know, I wasn't prepared for that, that level. And so it kind of morphed. We did a few little alien things. And then I said, hey, I think I'm good for now <laughs> because I started to feel, feel uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, he said, sure. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then, so that was kind of a very interesting experience about shape-shifting. I said, magic. I said, that was phenomenal. How did you do that? And he said, I did nothing. That was all you. And he said, yesterday, you would not have been able to see that. But the fact that you've opened up psychically and spiritually, you're, you're able to see someone shape shift. So it's not like anyone can see another person shape shift. You have but do to you be think everybody is a shape shifter or do you think that only certain people are shape shifters? I think that that ability to shape shift is a, is kind of like a technique. And I, and I know that in the American Indians that yeah, some like of their you know, the wolf walkers and the birds you know people can become bird people and they actually shape shift and they can fly around and transform this wasn't as much as transform as just his face was shape shifting like his image was shifting more like an illusion you know more like an illusion more like a mask that we, he was starting to wear to represent the oneness and it wasn't necessarily that he turned into a bird or an animal or something that actually transformed and flew off because that can happen as well. You know, that that's some powerful um, 
uh, Hopi magic and uh, that I've read about as well with the Hopis that they're able to transform. But that, that happened. Uh, yeah, so Mount Shasta, I know you want to go. I do. Uh, it, it's a sacred site. And so the frequency around that is just ramped up. So say you're, you're functioning at a level seven when you, and that's a level 10 there, you're going to get raised up at least to a level eight or level nine, or maybe even a level 10 while you're there, the longer you stay in that energy. Um, and, it's, and it's really powerful. Um, but it, it, it's a place to get connected and you just intuitively know that you're one with everything because nature starts responding to you and the wind, you know, you ask a question and the, the wind will circle or it will start to get cold all of a sudden and it gets warm and then dragonflies show up. It's, it's like this most mystical, magical place. And you just expect the unexpected. It's really very, very cool. Very cool. Very cool. I know I'm, I, I have such high hopes. I'll probably go there and nothing will happen. But I don't know. Uh, I, I have a lot of interesting experiences, a lot of places I go. So I'm not too scared about that, but I'm looking forward to, to, to checking that out this year for sure. So um, another another high energy place. Have you heard uh, about Mount Ida, Arkansas? Oh, I, I crystal dig there. Like, have you? Like I go regularly to crystal dig there. I, I it's a lot of the crystals I I make a lot of crystals that me and my brother um, drill through the uh-huh. for necklaces and stuff. I, that's interesting because the guy who we were, we were just with this guy at this mine the other, like mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And he was like, yeah, some of the mountaintops are flat and people talk about seeing UFOs land on them. We were in the middle of the woods in the Ozark uh, National Forest. I saw like par- fairy portal. Like there was these trees that were forming this little arc and there was a, um, you know, like a ring of mushrooms, like a circle uh-huh, ring of uh-huh. mushrooms. I went up to the portal. I tried to get my nephew to come down there with me and he's like 13. He was like, oh, no, wow, I'm not, wow, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not about that wow. life. And I, I, I had the distinct feeling that it was like, well, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I, uh-huh. and I thought like, well, it's, it's, I don't want to leave my 13 year old nephew alone right over there. So I decided not to. So I just stayed on the border of this, um, uh, portal, but mm-hmm. I, I talked into the portal and I like introduced myself and I was saying hello. And I felt like there was some sort of there was another dimension that you could have gone through right in that area. So that is, that is interesting that you mentioned that place. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, that's another high energy place that I was visiting. I like after I left Mount Shasta, I was called directly to Mount Ida mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to be in that area. And the basically all of Mount Ida, every uh-huh. single every single hill you're on the entire mountain range is all quartz crystal underneath it. It doesn't matter where you would dig. There were yeah. quartz crystal everywhere there. It's like one of the largest crystal things. Uh, I went on another retreat with a, a lady that, that's called Lavendar. Have you heard of Lavendar? Oh, yeah, I'm going. I, well, I was supposed to go in 2020 to the Starseed Quest. Yeah, the Starseed yeah, Quest. Yeah, but uh, I it got canceled. So I, I, I supposedly I'm supposed to go in uh, May. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I may be going. We may be going together. Okay, cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be uh, cool. Have you had If you your want chart? to drive up, we could drive up together. Yeah. yeah. Have you done your chart with her? Yes, I have. Yeah, like a two, like a year and a half ago now, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. So she's a friend of mine. Um, and so I really enjoy going up to there. But when I came back from Mount Ida and when I came back from Mount Shasta, I started having these weird experiences. 
Because like I said, you know, when you go into these portals, when you go into these energy vortexes, it changes you. It, mm-hmm. it changes you. So I'm back in Dallas and I'm in my, you know, in my home and I started noticing weird stuff happening. And, you know, in really as I, in retrospect, what was happening for me is I was shifting timelines and each timeline, you know, um, is slightly different than another timeline. And so there's subtle changes, you know, notice what you notice, notice what's different, notice what's, what's different. So I had, I had uh, driven to Mount uh, Ida and I had this brand new truck and it was a GMC Denali truck. It was beautiful. And so I drove home and it was parked in my driveway and I am uh, at my kitchen sink and you can look down my driveway and you can kind of, I was looking at my truck and, you know, guys are real partial to cars, (laughs) (laughs) but so I, I, you know, I was like, I love that truck. It was really pretty. And so all of a sudden I looked at my truck and I'm like, my truck has a different grill than it used to have. And I walked outside and I looked and I felt my truck and I'm like, that's, that's a different truck. That's a different truck than I had before. And I get in, this is the same mileage and that sort of stuff. And so I started to notice that it was my truck, but the grill was slightly different than, than the other one. And then I started looking at some of my clothes that I was wearing, like some of my clothes were there and some of them, I had new clothes that I'd never seen before. And so I started to pay attention to when I got back from Mount my Ada and Mount Shasta that I had shifted timelines. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I still lived in the same house. I still drove a truck. I still had the same job. I still did, but there were the smallest details that were slightly off. Yep. I was, I just had a podcast with a lady, a group of ladies who are um, talk about timeline edits and like yeah. Mandela effect and a bunch of this other stuff. And I contacted them because I have had a lot of duplicating objects. Uh, like for instance, just, I have two pink Sonicare toothbrushes now, or uh, it'll be like a, a charger to like an iPad that will, I will have wrapped in a special tape. And I'll have two with the exact special tapes then uh-huh. and worn in the exact same way, you know, and then, or I'll have like this obscure eyeliner that I never would have bought, but, or that I, that I bought one of, but I wouldn't have bought nine of them. And there are, are nine of them in my makeup bag, or, I mean, the list goes on. I've had so many different crazy things, but I, but I've had the changing of items. I, in fact, I, I did this load of laundry. This was probably when I was 31 or two, two, like, I don't know, probably five or six years ago. And I had, my underwear was all like coral and pink kind of stuff. Uh Right. And I got everything out of the dryer and everything was gray. And the shirts that I had washed it with, everything was gray or or it was black, white, and gray. And it was a a color load. I put a color load in and I took out a a black, white, and gray load. And I was going like, I don't have gray panties. Like who just buys gray (laughs) panties? Like I don't have gray panties. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, apparently now you do. You have like six pairs of gray panties now. And I'm like, I never, I never, these are not my clothes. Like this, 
this shirt was this was a green shirt and now it's a gray shirt this or uh, like and it was it was crazy and I I still have some of those items and they're gray black and white items but they were not when they went in like and so uh, there is sometimes yeah. there's a and it's not like okay well Nikki did you put some kind of chemical in the dryer it's, that made everything? yes no it's it because it, you, if you tell somebody else about it they're like you're crazy they don't believe you you and just must not have paid attention to that yeah, girl the first must, time but like, you know oh. in your in your heart of hearts something's off it's not right. You know, it's like yep. you, you have, you have a knowing and only, you know, it, it's like something's different. This is weird. Cause I, I didn't leave my house that way. The last time I came in and, mm -hmm. or something's, you know, or I don't know. And then, then also like people, uh, like I would look through my Facebook or Instagram on me. I'm friends with them. How did, when did I become friends with them? <laughs> Yeah, and, and who are they you know that that sort of stuff but I did come back with all of these these crystals you know from Mount Ida and I don't know if that was a trigger you know because I came back with a whole bucket load of crystals and I have them all around my house if it ramped up the energy in my house or created more of you know that resonance around me mm -hmm. but um a profound thing that happened I was I was working it was a Thursday morning and I was sitting in my living room and I'm on the phone with a colleague at work and we're talking about you know just mundane work stuff and we talked maybe about 15 minutes and I hung up the phone and I walked from my living room through my dining room into my kitchen and when I got into my kitchen I had this wave of where am I what day is it? What's happening? And it was almost like I had just entered into that timeline and I was extremely disoriented. It's very similar feeling that I had during that car wreck experience where I, you know, came back into this body and I was very, very disoriented. So <clears throat> I really think that there are times in our lives that we jump timelines, that they're able to, you're, you're able to move from one timeline or trajectory of experiences into another. And- What kind of dreamer are you? Do you do a lot of lucid dreaming? Uh, you know, I used to, uh, there's a period where I stopped dreaming and then I, I'm dreaming again now, I'm remembering my dreams, but there was a long period where I wasn't remembering my dreams at all. Uh, but I remember as a child, I was a very active dreamer and I remember, uh, actually levitating, you know, or floating or being able to fly, yeah. you know, as a child. But um, yeah, these just crossing timelines, it's just kind of crazy, the crazy experiences that are happening with us. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, people have different theories on what, what it means or if it's tr like if it, things are happening or not. But yeah, no, I definitely, um, and I would like to, I wish people would start taking note of the dates that these kind of weird things happen. Because for instance, um, this other lady I talked to, she was saying that there's a lot of solar paranormal things that are happening in conjunction with what she thinks are timeline shifts and, or timeline edits and, or even like uh, times of eclipses and stuff like that. In 2018, I went to the full solar eclipse in, or maybe it was 2019. Anyway, I missed the one three years ago 
2017. 2017. Yeah. I missed that one because August. my niece uh-huh. was born on during the eclipse. The eclipse yeah. was happening when she was born. And yeah. I had to be with my other little niece watching her while her sister was being born. And it was this whole thing. So I didn't get to go. I, I, I admit to I was going to go actually see the direct path and I, I didn't get to go see it. So the next one was the next summer. And so I went to Chile. I flew down to Chile to go with, with another friend. And we went to like the uh, Atacama Desert um, and we, we saw the eclipse and then a day or maybe a day or two after that, we were in a, the coastal city next to Santiago. And I had a 30, 30 minute deja vu that lasted 30 minutes without oh, stopping. Wow. Wow. And, it, and it got to a point where I, it, it was pointless for me to even tell them about how I'm experiencing this deja vu because I had already told them about how uh-huh. I experienced this deja vu. <laughs> and, 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 and it wasn't just like, oh, I'm psychic and I know exactly what's going to happen next. No, I had been there. I had done that. I had been with those people. Like everything, it was, you know what a deja vu feels like when you just had that moment. You just, you've been there. This was the longest one I'd ever experienced. And it was uncomfortable. Like I was like, yeah. I, I, I had the thought like, shit, what if this doesn't end? <laughs> what if yeah. I just, you know, I'm always reliving this groundhog day sort of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and if it finally did, but I still haven't been able to really experience, I don't know anybody else who's had one that was that long. That, that long. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I think, but I feel like it had something to do with uh, timeline editing like there uh-huh. was some like and I'm not talking about Nikki's timeline I'm talking about maybe a global timeline shift well there, there we have been shifting timelines you know since 2012 I mean pretty pretty regularly yeah and uh, I do know that things for me sped up after that eclipse in August of 2017 yeah that was uh, a major shift it was a major shift and things just kind of got ramped up you need to everybody take their places you know it's the final final curtain here we come and everybody you know and then the stage is set and then the curtain opens and here we are you know, i don't know much about the timelines other than just that i've experienced timeline shifts myself they feel very disorienting and uh when they're happening and then you then there are the after amounts like you know something's different because you notice something's different in your house uh, your surroundings, what you own, like you said, your chargers are different. They're taped. You have two of them, two Sonicare toothbrushes. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just like something's off. Um, so, you know, I keep thinking about, um, you know, this time, like how many more timeline shifts are there? Are we on the final one? Right. Okay. So what's your, so you do numerology? What's your what, what how'd that come about? Yeah, so uh, I had an experience with a friend of mine, his name's Peter, and Peter and I have one of those, (laughs) do you remember the the film, uh, The Witches of Eastwick? with Cher and, oh, and uh, um, Susan Sarandon and, who and else uh, was in it? Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. With yeah. Jack Nicholson. Okay. So they're th- just three ordinary ladies and this guy comes to town and all of a sudden they discover that when the three of them are together, they're able to create stuff, right? You know, like, like they would start laughing and things would float or uh, they would say things and things would happen, but it only happened when they were together right? Mm-hmm. Like the, their magic kind of got activated by coming together. Uh, uh, and so I met this guy 
back in the late 90s. His name's Peter. And so very interesting, we would uh, get together and just crazy stuff would happen. It would just happen. It was really weird. And like I'm saying, we would go to a restaurant and all the lights would go out, you know, like blackout. And it, it, it was mainly electrical things, like things would overload, the air conditioning would stop working. Uh, you would go here or light bulbs would flash or uh, we would, it, it was just random stuff or like the doorbell would get stuck and it'd just start ringing and nobody's out there. And it just, you know, like just weird energetic stuff. And so, um, and we were friends and, and so he's, he was a, a numerologist and I was doing Reiki. And so we started this trade agreement. And so I did my first Reiki treatment on him and uh, it was very casual. We were just kind of being friends. He says, well, tell me about your Reiki. And it wasn't like he booked me as a client for a session. I said, well, just sit down here and I'm going to put my hands on your head. And, you know, and I was, I think I was sitting on his sofa and he's sitting down there and I put my hands on his head and just, I'm starting to channel the energy. And I hate to say this, but he had a spontaneous sexual orgasm, just like, boom, like right there. Wow. And he got up and said, what did you do to me? And I said, I just, didn't do anything to you, you know? And so, like I said, he and I had some, and still do, some sort of weird connection that we haven't really figured out. So um, the way that it happened was I was being called to Hawaii. Like, like I told you earlier about Mount Shasta, but I'm like, I'm going to Maui. I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to Hawaii. Right. And so this is like June, my birthday is June, June 8th. And so I think, you know, I had had my birthday, I'm kind of in this new energy and I'm like, I'm going to Hawaii, I'm going to Hawaii, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And my friend Jerry uh, said, Will, I have a friend of mine, I think you guys should meet. And I said, okay. And he, he said, he's kind of weird like you are. <laughs> and I said, what's his name? He says, his name's Peter. So uh, we were all members of the same health club. And so we happened to be there that one day and Peter uh, was there and Jerry came up to me and said, hey, I want to introduce you to Peter. So he said, Will, this is Peter. Peter, this is Will. And I said, y'all should talk because y'all are into the same stuff. And uh, so we had a brief conversation and, and Peter said, well, Will, I'd really like to you know, get to know you. Maybe we can go to dinner or go have coffee or connect, uh, but uh, it has to be when I get back. And I said, oh, yeah, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> and, and I said, I have a better idea. Why don't I go to Hawaii with you? And he looked at me kind of strange, and I said, I kid you not, Hawaii is calling me. When are you going? He said, I'm leaving Saturday. And I said, I think I'm supposed to be on this trip with you. And he's like, he just met me, right? He just met me. Right. And I'm telling him that I'm going on this trip to Hawaii with him. Well, sure enough, we had some dialogue. And by that Saturday, I had booked an airline ticket. I, he got, you know, he was staying in his condo. I got a, a similar condo. We stayed in separate places. And so we took this trip to Hawaii together. And I'm just, 
totally moving on faith. Just, you know, like follow my guidance. You know, I was supposed to meet this guy. I need to be in Hawaii. So on the trip over, he uh, teaches me introduction to numerology, you know, all about the numbers and what they mean and how to do charts and this sort of stuff. So kind of had this private lesson from him because he was actually, um, he's older than I am and he had done charts for several of the president's wives, like uh, Nancy Reagan at the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, had, had, was a client of his uh, back in the eighties. And I know she had an astrologer, like yeah, a permanent. She was really yeah. open to all that. And so she, uh, she had done that. She'd also done several um, people in the, cause he lived in Hollywood at the time and was doing lots of uh, charts for celebrities as well. And so he had a pretty big name about him. I didn't know any of this at the time. It was just Peter. And uh, so he's teaching me about all this. So we end up in Hawaii. And um, like I said, strange things started to happen. So we go down to McKenna Beach, where the volcano, uh, the Haleakala Crater, Sacred Creator, uh, you know, the, all the lava rock goes down into the Sierra ocean. you Black rock. No, I'm in Maui. Oh, you're Maui. Maui. Okay. Maui. And so there are all these little, like the ocean comes up through these volcanic rock and there's like these blowholes and things like this. So we were dancing and had our, our, our you know, our iPods on and kind of like moving around. Well, up comes this dolphin, this, these uh, pod of dolphins and they're like playing with us, right? So they follow us all around the island the whole time that we're there, the whole week that we're there. Our, our little groupies with the dolphins. So they're like really attracted to our playful energy and get together. And, you know, of course in Maui, there are rainbows everywhere. This is like rainbow and another rainbow and another rainbow and another rainbow and another rainbow. And so, um, so at night we would go out and we were staying and we went to the, uh, the Wailea resort for a cocktail or something. And it was next to our condos. And we walk out onto the turf. And it's a full moon. And I remember we're looking up at the full moon and we're going, isn't that a beautiful full moon? And all of a sudden, as we look down, they were not there before. I would say 10,000 frogs, frogs show up. <laughs> And they're all looking up at the moon croaking. They were there one moment and they weren't, I mean, they weren't there. And then all of a sudden they were there. And it was like, where do these frogs come from? He goes, Will, I don't know. They just kind of appeared out of nowhere. So apparently Lavendar, you know, has a, has a story with the frogs too, that the frogs have some sort of significant connection to certain dimensional energy. Um, so that was kind of a very interesting experience there. Anyway, so Peter and I, like I said, we'd get in the car and we would drive down the street and street lights were blowing out as we would just go down the street, one after another, after another. Mm -hmm. And we would go into places and just blow out the air conditioner. The lights would go out and our electrical energy between the two of us was just very, very powerful. And he said he's never experienced that with anybody else. And I, you know, to be honest, I haven't experienced it to that degree with anybody else except him, but he's the one that taught me numerology. And so I've been doing numerology charts for gosh, 20 years now. 
And it's really a pretty powerful thing. I use it uh, every day, interviewing, talking to people, you know, like it, it just comes in really, really. Oh, handy. okay. See, I, I mean, I, I, I interviewed a numerologist two days ago, I think. And he was talking about how, you know, you can find your life path, your, um, your personality, um, like your, he has a thing too, about, um, like the age you are right now is really impactful for how this year is going to go for you. Um, but how would, how do you use it on a daily basis? Cause he was saying it's more personal than astrology. Well, okay. So what is your birthday? June 14th, 1980. Really? We're, we're both Gemini's. Right. Oh, cool. I'm June 8th. So 614. 614 82 or 1982. 1982. All right. So this will give your personal year. So your last birthday was June 14th of 2020. All right. Mm -hmm. So if you take a 2020, that year, last year was a four year. Your day, the 14th, is a five. And your month is a six of June, all right? So if you add the six plus the five is 11, plus the four is you're in a 15, six, what's called a personal year. So every birthday, every day, every year on June the 14th, you go to the next year, you go to the next personal year. So you're what's in the sixth year right now. And the universal year of 2021 is a five year. So we're in a five year of, of, of what's going on in our external events, but personally, you're going into a six year. So you're, you're experiencing it from a six year. So you're always a year ahead of the universal. Of the, of the universal year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So in a six personal year, what's up for you is your path of service, how you serve. What is it that you feel your purpose is and how you show up in the world? What is meaningful to you and how do you express your talents, your gifts? All of this is in relationship to other people because six is, is, is the way that we serve, but to be able to serve, someone has to be able to receive, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a relationship with people that are to receive your gifts and how you set up what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what are your boundaries, uh, what are you going to look at? So this is really the theme of a six-year is setting up your path of service and, and looking at how what's meaningful in your life and how that affects your, your passion, your purpose, uh, your sense of service. And those would be probably the three key things of a six personal year. And how do you use that within, because I mean, a lot of the numerology is doing your name, right? Like putting your name into numbers. Yeah. So your, your, your birthday, all right. You can't change your birthday, right? right? Your birthday is really built around your lesson, you know, what your lesson is in life and what you came here to learn as a soul. So in 1982, that's a 10 and a 10 is a 20. So that's, uh, you're a 21-3 destiny number. All right, so 1982, one plus nine is 10, plus eight is 18, plus two is 20. Uh So that's a 20 year or two. Um, And then your six and your 14 is six plus five plus two. Uh, 
of your 13.4. Yeah, so 11, uh, 13. Um, so your, your birthday equals a 13. Do you know that? Oh, so like when you add the six and the 14 and the 1982, that yeah. all together is going to go 13. Did you four? down to a 13, four? Okay. So this is what you're learning how to, how to do. Um, you're learning the, the power. So, um, so your base number is a four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You're going to be one of those numbers, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's a 13, four, there's a 22, four, there is a 31, four. And each of these sequences means something different. What version of a four are you? So at a base oh, okay. level, your lesson is a four, but your version of the four is a 13. A 13, four. Okay. Yeah. Does that make so that, sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. So it depends on how high you, yeah. Yeah, but the 13 fours are based on, because I have one in my name, are transformational energies, right? Because fours work with structure. You have four, four um, legs on a table. It adds balance and stability. It's your foundational energy. Well, your foundation is built on transformation, right? So what you're here to learn and what, what to experience and, and the purpose of it is establishing new stability through death, through transformation, through transfiguration, through what's different, what's changing, what needs to change in order for it to be stable, right? Because the 13 represents the death process or the evolution of consciousness, the snake shedding its skin, going from one phase to the other. It's that turning of cycles, that Pluto energy of death and destruction. Hmm. And a lot of times, you know, like Pluto with the 13, once it transforms, it never goes back to what it was prior. You it forces you right. to move forward into the next cycle. So there's no going back. You have to adapt to change. So with this 13 it has that type of Pluto energy with it. So you have this element of forced change. It's life is forcing you to evolve and change. Where's your stability? What can I count on? What, what makes sense? Where's the science behind this? Where does all this, all this fit together? You know, you're doing a podcast right now on the, the, the fringe, but you're trying to make sense of it all. You're trying yep. to find the threads. You said earlier, like, I want people to relate to the dates that are in. So I want to find the facts. I want to pull this together and pull all the threads. That's that four energy, trying to find the systematic relationship of how change works right? We're, we're going through timeline changes. We're going through an ascension process. We're going through an evolutionary time in our, in our world. All this fascinates you from the 13, because that's what the 13 is, this revolutionary change. But where do we land? What is the new foundation? How do we find our, our place with this? Who's going to sign the new constitution, right? You know, right, right. What, what are the elements going to be? That's going to be the four, but it's this revolutionary change that happened 200 years ago in 1776. Same sort of energy. It was a revolutionary constitution that set a new proclamation of how we're going to live. So that's a great example of the 13-4 of trying to find stability through that series of change. So this is something that your soul has come to learn uh, through your birthday. So um, 
what's your you, you go by nikki right so yeah most, that's my birth name too okay so your very first vibration is the n n-i-k-k-i right mm -hmm. okay so if i was just gonna look at that really first vibration that hits me is that n of the 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 mm -hmm. n right so that that sound that vibration brings chameleon energy change energy fluidity the ability to adapt so the very first consonant in your name is an N vibration, which is a five vibration, which means you have the ability to adapt to any situation uh, to become that chameleon energy to fit in, right? Your strategy is to, yeah. to assimilate, where am I? I need to fit in, you know, incognito, here I am, right? But your first vowel is an I, all right? So then you go to an I. Well, the I's, like I'm Will, we've got the same first initial, we're both very intuitive. We feel what's happening. We intuit what's happening. We have an inner guide and inner sense, and that is our Geiger counter. It's not what we read or what we see or whatever. It's more about a feeling nature that guides us. And so mm -hmm. we're very intuitive, right? So then you've got your K, um, uh, which one, J, K is, Really, the K is the 11. So you've got this energy of the KK, which is the 1111 in your name. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, you know, you, you've got this 1111 energy. And 11s have the ability to um, speak to the general public. They have a message. They have something to say. So you're going to use your voice podcast here to yeah. be able to um communicate what you have have to say and usually when there are two constants next together that brings an added amount of fortune for you that you're really good at it um well, there's two k's the 1111 so uh, that you're very uh, you have that too with will yeah i have the double l i yeah. have the double l so the double l kind of brings a little bit more luck and a bit, little bit more of a fortunate inner energy to it but you know just the n very flexible. The I is very intuitive. This K, uh, KK is something that you have, have, you have something to say, something to communicate. And it puts you again in relationship with other people because that 11 is the two. And to be able to teach, you need a student, right? You need an audience. You need somebody to listen to what you have to say. And then you finish off with an I again. So it, it kind of brings in that double dose of intuition there. And that's your first vibration and how you represent yourself. Does any of that fit? Yeah, it does actually. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty spot on. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think I was named well, or maybe yeah. I'm your name. I don't know. Well, what's interesting is you and I have a lot of the same energy, and you know, W is the N. N E and W are all five vibrations. So I have to do the same thing that you do. That I have to adapt. You know, with a, the W is a five. That I is the intuitive. I show up with a double L, which brings the luck. But I have another I because it's really William. William. And I have an A and an M. Um, but the L is the 12th letter of the alphabet, right? And so the double L is three, is creativity, is uh, is the, the three energy. So where you have more of the, the teaching and something to say, I'm... Um, like I'm always unscripted. I don't know what's going to happen. And I've taught 
like I said, 30,000 classes to groups earlier, you know, as a fitness instructor. Did I have a plan before I went in? No, I shot from the hip. And it's being able to be in the moment and to create in the spot, to bring in what's needed for that moment and just be in the flow, be in the creative flow. So that double L gives me that ability to just create in the moment and not have to rehearse or have a script or whatever, but to stay in flow. So it's interesting because it makes you think like it's really important what you name your child. Like, yeah, you, yeah you, you should really know a little bit of this before you just. Yeah. So the name that you name your child, usually the mother kind of resonates to it. You know, the mother knows, the mother knows, and there are no accidents. And um, but if you look at your entire name, if you take all of the vowels and you add up all the vowels in your name, and I usually put that on top of your name and I add up all the, the vowels. That is your heart's desire. That is your soul's, your inner soul's connection, your heart, what's called your heart's desires. Now, if you take all the consonants out of your name and you put them on the bottom and you, and you add up all the consonants in your name, that has to do with your outer shell, your personality, what other people see, how other people perceive you is that personality number. And then when you put your, your soul and your personality together and you get your total vibration of your name, that's really what's called your, your, your destiny or your essence. And that gives you really your overall qualities, your gifts, what you're meant to do has a lot to do with things that you brought with you, your strengths, uh, what you're really good at. You know, that comes from your name, your birthday has to do more with destiny from what you're here to learn, what you're, right. what you're here to gather, what your mission is, uh, that sort of thing. So it's kind of interesting to look at your numerology that way. Yeah, it is really interesting. And, and the birthday in some ways is it's, that's not, that's not anybody else's given to you, like your name or that's not, that's not, I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the day that you're born, two people can be born on the same day, right? Yeah. And, um, and have similar things to learn, but their names are different, right? So they have a different expression of how they carry out that, how they're going to learn that lesson. Right. Um, so it's a little bit different, you know, you get that with twins a lot or people, you know, that are, that are born at the same time, but have different, different names. Okay. I was going to say like, yeah, like identical twins. Like, what do you do with yeah, that? Yeah. But their, their names are going to, separate them and how they walk through their life very cool uh -huh. all right well well this was awesome this was really yeah, fun I, it's really cool. cool to get to know you better yeah likewise i enjoyed our our chat so thank you for inviting me to your podcast uh, i have to invite you to mine when i start mine you need to start one <laughs> yeah right Ha, ha, ha.